I wholeheartedly believe that long form video is the hardest thing to create. And if you, if you do create it and you, you figure out a way to do so like at scale and effectively at scale, you can take that and create any type of derivative content from it. And then, then you're able to see like, if you, if you take your content, you break it down by themes or categories, topics, whatever it might be. And you push that stuff out. Then you can see what topics resonate. It's like, oh, okay, now I need to create some follow-up pieces around this topic because this resonates more with, with my audience. Welcome to Whisking It All with your host, Angelus Pizzito, co-founder of Whisk.ai, a food and beverage intelligence platform. We're going to be interviewing hospitality professionals around the world to really understand how they do what they do. Welcome to another episode of Whisking It All. We're here today with Justin Ulrich, the VP of Marketing, VP Marketing, I should say, of Evocalize. Justin, thank you for being here with me today. You bet. Thanks for having me on. It's exciting. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, as always, I like to start with a very simple question. We got, you know, about 20,000 so restaurants, um, you know, in our, in our community, let's say. And so uh, we typically like to share anything we can related to the hospitality space. But a good place to typically start is to learn a bit about what is Evocalize. You bet. So Evocalize is um, at, at its highest level. It's a tool that helps automate paid digital local marketing uh, based on local data. And so that means that no matter what data you're piping into the platform, you can uh, launch or manage ads across Google, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, um, all automatically behind the scenes so that operators can t continue to do their day to day and, and worry about running the business without having to be marketers as well. I love it. It's a consistent theme, even with us at WISC, but even with a lot of the guests I've had is just how do we, and I say we, but I guess, you know, tech companies, how do we actually help these restaurateurs buy their time back and, and, and focus on the things that A, they actually love and the reason they got into the space and B, on the things typically that they're good at. Um, so it sounds like this fits right right into that. Um, and we'll definitely get more into the into the product side and, and kind of dive into like how you guys help and maybe some, you know, mini case studies or, or wins you can share just to kind of paint the picture for our audience. But I always like to get the journey um, before we kind of get there. So maybe just taking a step back, Justin, I'd love to maybe hear your journey. Like I know the marketing journey probably has been quite, you know, uh, vast, but what inspired you to kind of pursue this path with, you know, Evocalize? Like why, why Evocalize and how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a step back even further and just talk why marketing for a second, because when yeah. I, when I got into I got into marketing. It was kind of it was it was at the advice of some really good mentors I had at the time when I had finished my undergrad. I got into accounting. Uh, you know, I got my degree in economics and thought I could take this accounting, finance, something like that, and yeah. and or marketing. Um, but I worked for an organization uh, at the time, Dish Network, and and it was just an easy transition for me into corporate to to move into tax accounting. And you know, <laughs> with the marketers like soul. Tax accounting was not the Completely fit for opposite, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I found out like in, in pretty short order after just a couple months that, Hey, I, I do like the corporate life, but I need to make a shift. And, and it made the most sense for me to go back to school, get my MBA and transition into marketing. Um, Got it. and, and from there I, I've 
works for all sorts of different orgs and different um, uh, industries, uh, mainly focused on demand gen and, you know, channel or uh, partner marketing uh, within those, those different organizations. And I've worked in telecom, payment processing, uh, POS space, all the way. Uh, I worked for a couple SaaS companies, worked for Avero a little bit, led their marketing team there. Um, nice. And they're in the restaurant space. And then, and I took a little, uh, a short kind of break uh, to work for uh, one of those dream brands, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity. So I went to go work for Polaris and, and led their, their brand marketing team for some of their off-road vehicle brands, one of them being Razor. Uh, and oh, to wow. me, that was like, I had such brand affinity and, and I had to drop everything I was doing, even though I absolutely love the team at, Evo or at um, Averro, it was drop everything and, and pick up the family, move to Minnesota and, and go do something fun and exciting. And it was exciting. It was draining, but it was, uh, it was super exciting. And, and I realized um, after a little bit of that, that the SaaS space is more my speed. Okay. Uh, I love working for software uh, tech companies and especially in specific industries. You know, I, I got back into um, when I got back into SaaS, I, I worked for a couple orgs that kind of targeted the the home services space um, and franchise uh, on that side of things. And and now where I'm at, it's it's really a industry agnostic platform um, and you know, uh, restaurant is just one of the verticals that we happen to serve really, really well. That's awesome. That's super interesting. And, and, and I guess the contrast from electric vehicles, right? Is that you're talking about the electric vehicle? Company. Uh, it was, ours was perf the, the brand that I was over was performance off-road. So if you think, if you watch oh, like a okay. Mad Max of, movie or. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a kind of like uh, interesting. Okay. I was, uh, what's that electric vehicle company? So what's the name of that company? Cause now I'm getting mixed up. It's yeah. Pol it's Polar. Polaris. Polaris. Okay. okay. So they do ATVs else. and, and okay, side by okay, sides okay, okay. and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. That's exciting. And so how was the shift from, I mean, obviously like from, from, um, you know, consumer perspective, super exciting, but I'm curious to kind of know from mm -hmm. the marketing side, was it, as fast paced or was that a little slower pace than you anticipated? Oh my gosh, that was lightning speed because okay, wow. it, you have, um, one thing that they didn't, they didn't do very well, um, uh, before I came over was taking, you know, uh, they had a lot of disparate kind of tent pole activations that were, um, kind of one off. And they didn't do a good mm -hmm. job of stitching everything together and, and nurturing their their customer base along, even though that the, the typical buyer's journey had like a nine month buying cycle from research to purchase. So you have to keep your your customers engaged and warm throughout a long period of time. And and so when I went over, it was it was identifying those key activations and kind of mapping them in with uh, all the events that we would do, as well as any races for the off road uh race season um, and vehicle launches and stuff like that. So we put together a, a total like comprehensive plan that would just keep customers engaged um, throughout the entire year and any blanks that we might have, we kind of filled those in with, with content uh, kind of campaigns um, mm -hmm. and really did a good job at keeping folks engaged and, and helped to the uh, just crush our, our lead goal. Our, our goal was 25,000 leads in the year and we hit about 150,000 um, leads in the, the year that I managed the team there uh, for wow. the full duration of the year. So uh, we did things right, but uh, it was a lot of fun, like I said, but 
there's just a lot of travel and stuff that w- went along with it and time away from the kiddos and missed birthdays and holidays and stuff gets gets daunting so when it was right. over it was bittersweet but it was a chance for me to take what i had learned there and and creating content in in ways that you know cut through the clutter uh, and bring that back into into the the space that i was more um more familiar with you know and had been for years so Wow, that's super cool. And, and you know, I don't know if you'd be able to pick one, but I'd love if you could maybe share an example of like um, any particular marketing campaign that you've led and, and, and you know, that, that, that's been a success. I think it's, it's always cool to maybe share some success stories if you want to pinpoint. I mean, I'm sure you've done quite a few over the years, but if you mm-hmm. could uh, mention any, that'd be pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, one of the, one of the, coolest campaigns I think that that I helped lead was uh, when I was at a company called Mercury, Mercury Payment Systems. So we got acquired by Vantive. And it was during the time, if you remember, when all the big box stores were having all their big data breaches. So like Target and, and mm, you know, the yeah, credit yeah. card companies were, I remember they, that, they, yeah. basic, they basically said, you know, we don't want to take on the liability of this anymore. So we're going to, we're going to implement EMV chips on our cards and then it's on you, the rest of the industry to determine uh, or to find ways to implement this um, throughout the entire value chain. So um, the cards were able the card companies were able to kind of push the, the um, liability off of their plates and, and onto the rest of the industry because they were doing their part, right. To be more secure. Mm-hmm. So, um, I led a campaign where we, we called it security pays and, and we built this, this out to be a year long campaign. Um, it was about a million dollars that we put into it. It was designed to, to, uh, incentivize each component of the value chain. So working through the, the third party sales, uh, POS sales folks to, and, and, um, uh, trusted advisors to, to implement more secure best practices, to sell more secure solutions, um, we implement or we, uh, incentivize the OEMs to, to, um, uh, take these, this new method of card payment within their machines, um, as well as, uh, all the, the merchants, we incentivize them to, uh, uh implement more secure payment pro- or payment solutions within their, um, uh, brick and mortar facilities and, as well as even the sales team to to really drive the importance of security, you know, the five fingers of security to really uh, make the entire value chain more secure and the entire industry more secure. And it, it really led the charge um, throughout the rest of the country to make this big shift over to um, the EMV chips that everybody has in their wallets today. That's crazy. And so hearing all that like when when that shift happened and say hey how did you stumble on you know evocalize i'd love to know like that story where, where, where yeah. when did that take place yeah uh recently so we um i had someone reach out and say hey there was uh there was an opportunity that a recruiter had brought to them that they weren't uh quite interested in because they had something good going and said hey you sound like you'd be a great fit for this role and you know, I'm always open to to entertaining conversations, and it felt like a good shift from uh, from the role that I was in at the time to come over and to uh, lead marketing efforts for Vocalize. And I think that the thing that made me really excited about making the jump was, you know, because I don't want to just jump from company to company for no reason. Right. Um, right. The leadership here, uh, more specifically with our CEO Matt Marks. He is he has got such uh, an infectious uh, love for marketing 
and he fully understands uh, digital marketing. And to have as a marketing leader, to have your CEO have a marketing background mm-hmm. is huge because then there's there's typically it's really easy to get alignment with uh, different initiatives and and to you know, get their buy-in on, on budgetary spend, whether it's across events or different initiatives, right? It's like, it's not pulling teeth at all. And they typically get that the dollar in is going to crank out three, four five dollars $5. So um, it was really cool to, to hear not only his, like, like I said, that infectious love for, for marketing, but the passion that, that, that he brought across, like he's been there and done that with other companies before and, and helped take them public. And, you know, it's oh, one wow. of those things where it's like financially, you don't have to do it, but just because you want to do it and you want another challenge and you just want to do it again and do it again, you know, he just has that, that kind of zeal for the space. So, uh, that was, that was huge for me. And the other piece that I've, I've found really appealing was it's the, the company has been around for about 10 years. We helped, um, you know, uh, a few years back when we were, spending so much money um, across different platforms, Google, Facebook, that they, they basically came to us and said, how are you guys doing this? Help us to adjust our algorithms <laughs> so that we can actually be more effective, effective in, in bringing in dollars, right? And so we helped, uh, you know, as a, as a Google partner, as a meta partner to, and then Facebook to, to you know, help them to, to better optimize their systems. And it, it just sounded, it was a really cool story um, to crazy. be part of. And, and we did it in a way the technology is built to, to help uh, multi-location businesses across any industry. So we really cut our teeth in, in um, real estate. And because that just happens to be where a lot of the connections were made, you know, at the infancy of the, of the, of the company. So um, did really well there. We a massive percentage of, of real estate uh, ads are run across our platform. We power... Um, Realtor.com, tons of big, big real estate names that I can't give publicly, uh, but they we're white labeled behind their solutions. And, and basically, I came into this challenge with we've got 1.5 million users have access to the tool and nobody knows who we are. You know, so how do we really create create awareness not only in the existing spaces where we we operated, but then come into new verticals uh, in this past year, restaurant was one that we really came into to focus on. We've got like the tools in place to really help, you know, local marketing, like super, super hyper local marketing uh, with, with any multi-location business. But it's just a matter of now we got to go to this vertical, go to this vertical, go to the next one. So we're digging in now in, in uh, restaurant and franchise uh, real estate mortgage uh, insurance is a big one for us too, but like it doesn't get more local, uh, localized than with a, with a real estate agent in terms of marketing. So, uh, That's cut our teeth cool. there and now we're rolling it across everywhere else. Love it. And then when it comes to restaurants, what are the typical problems you see them facing when it comes to, you know, let's say the, this piece of the business. So the ad spend and the marketing, right? Like you, you go in, what's, what's their kind of like benchmark? What are they, what are they currently doing? If anything? Um, typically brands will help with the marketing from a corporate level and they'll run ads. Um, they'll run ads nationally and it's great if you're running ads, like that's, it's better than nothing, right? You're helping to generate brand awareness and you're helping your name out there. But what, 
what you kind of lose sight of there um, is the local marketing aspect. So if you think of it this way, the platforms are designed to spend the money and they're going to spend the money in areas where they're going to most easily be able to spend the money. So if you have a national campaign and you you, you throw it out there, you're going to spend, it's, the platforms are going to, the algorithms will more likely determine where the spend is going to be in like LA, New York, Chicago, like big metro areas. Right, right, right. So if you have a location in Des Moines that needs the foot traffic because their sales are slow this week, like the ads running in New York is not going to help them. So right. we really help any multi-location business be able to drive foot traffic or leads or whatever it might be in their their geo right mm -hmm. and depending on the industry you can get really really targeted so like in the restaurant space you can you can hyper target neighborhoods um so if you have specific neighborhoods that they all um they all go to a specific high school and the local school wins a game. You want to target those couple neighborhoods with some ads to say, hey, you know, victory tastes sweet. Come on in for a 20 percent wow. discount on X, Y, Z. And all that stuff can be automated and no one has to have a lick of marketing experience at the local level. But they're able to market very effectively cool. at the local level. That's actually really cool. And I was I was reading on your site. I don't want to butcher it. So I took a note, something like um, <laughs> that you guys improved some of the, the, the digital marketing effectiveness by 400 percent and reduced uh, time spent by 98 percent for some of those local teams. So I love, you know, what, what you're saying sounds super interesting. Can you maybe share a recent example or it doesn't have to be recent, but just a mm -hmm. successful example where, where that that rings true? Yeah, we we have quite a few uh, examples, and and the four hundred percent, like that's ROI on marketing spend. That was one. Uh, that was a result that was tracked in, in the real estate space, uh, okay. and I believe that may have been with Realtor dot com. If I don't, okay, uh, nice. if I remember correctly, but um, we have the the ninety eight percent time savings is such a huge metric because, and the the way that we looked that kind of story is told is. We had, there's a, there's um, one of our clients has 550 franchise locations wow. um, and okay. they were able to basically each of their locations was spending about nine hours a week managing on average, managing their ads. So if you think about like someone uh -huh. who's managing their digital ads, you have to know, uh, you have to create the campaigns when across different, across different platforms, yep. launch them when you think it makes sense to launch them. You've got to have your audience's set up you've got to have your content created you've got to um have basically everything everything that you that goes into a campaign and then you have to do that across multiple platforms google facebook tiktok instagram that's for a campaign across all the platforms so let's say you want to do multiple campaigns in a month right all that stuff it just takes so long to manage and then if you're going to a b test anything it's usually a person going in saying oh i'm going to switch the copy on this or switch the image and let it ride for a week and see what the results are. But our platform does everything with, I just call them the, the robots, you know, the machines, it, it's all machine learning based, you know, and, and it can determine like we can test. Uh, we had a, we had a client that we, it was like some preliminary testing. We did like a thousand tests within a month just to test different subject lines and stuff like that. There's no way wow. that a, a person could do the things that we do at, at, at that scale. And wow. so, that that one specific case study with the ninety eight percent time savings that was 
on average, they had their local offices were, were each spending nine hours a week managing their ads. And they were able to bring it down to nine minutes a week managing all their ad programs. So wow. it, it, it's a pretty, if you think about how impactful that is to your organization, even if you just looked at the marketing side, now those, those in this instance, they were marketers that were doing this. They could think of all the other marketing that they could be focused on with another day in the work week. Yeah. Like really? Yeah, it's huge. Um, and if, if you think about kind of roll that over into another example where you might not have marketers at different locations doing certain things, but their GMs or their franchisees, these guys, you know, they, they may not, and guys and gals may not have any experience really at all doing marketing because typically they buy into, you know, a franchise to, because the system, right? The system, it makes tons of sense. There's efficiency there. Um, and you now have, tools that help do the marketing for you based on data like that's super efficient whereas someone who without marketing experience they're not going to understand the platforms they get bogged down with just the day-to-day -day, every day sometimes i mean they know they need to do the marketing but they don't know where to get started and it typically never right. gets done and if it does it doesn't get done right or it's out of brand right. compliance or whatever it might be so that's where we that's we huge. really we really shine in helping to automate all that stuff so folks don't have to worry okay. about it that's amazing. And and like on that note, just for maybe some of our listeners to just Im imagine maybe the, the, the high level process, what does it look like? So, you know, I can imagine some of, of our listeners, obviously, that have multi um, locations listening to this, maybe getting their curiosity peaked. Um, what does it look like? They, they, they come to your website, maybe they request a demo. What does the actual process of, you know, getting set up kind of look like at a high level? Because I'd love to maybe paint mm -hmm. a picture for them. Yeah, typically, if we if we start a conversation with you, you'll you'll um, visit with probably a fifteen minute kickoff call just with one of our uh, sales reps just to vet it, make sure we're a good fit, uh, and there's some alignment there. Uh, it's to save our time, to save your time. You know, um, uh, we do have some parameters that right now we we just uh, candidly we sell into enterprise companies. So yep. um, if there's a hundred plus location, that's usually right in our sweet spot. Um, if there are fewer, we can entertain conversations and, you know, there's, there's, um, uh, don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but we will have solutions that can, that can serve others, uh, very soon, uh, in the new year. So, nice. um, that's something just to keep an eye out for. So if you are interested at all, no matter what your size, drop a line, feel free to reach out. Um, but we have that initial conversation to vet whether or not, whether or not it's a fit. And then we have a follow-up with, with uh, a higher level sales rep that'll, that'll really talk about, Hey, these are the goals that, that you told us in the first call, what you're trying to achieve. Here's how we can help you achieve those goals. So we really, um, leverage the, the, uh, what we call command a message from us on the sales side to really identify, like when, when someone has told us what their pain points are. Let's just get down to how we help you solve those pain points and not throw everything yeah. at you, what we can do. It's like, it's one of those things where it's not quite the sky's the limit, but there's so much that we can do. We just talk about what your goals are and how we can help you solve those specific goals. And then we'll get into, you know, crawl, walk, run. We'll do some of the really cool, other cool kind of whiz bang stuff that we do. Um, and then we have a third call typically where we bring in a solutions consultant and they will, uh, will also invite uh, your listeners to, to bring in their techie uh, folks 
to have a conversation with our, our tech geeks, you know, and, and really talk to how the systems tie together and how we help get things implemented. And from there, we, we go through an implementation process um, where we uh, work with um, our team, our, our customer success team, as well as uh, the partners team, our clients. We call partners because we truly do see them as that. Uh, we partner together to ensure their success. So our, our uh, success team will, will help ensure that those programs are set up. Uh, with all the branding compliance, all the guardrails we want to put in place, all the automations, all the data feeds, all that stuff. And then, you know, we, we, we kind of set, set you loose and, and we're there to help support you. So, um, it really isn't one of those things where it seems like it can seem daunting anytime you stand up a new technology, but it's not that way. We help ensure your success because your success is, is literally our success. So we're there to help out. That's great. And and when you guys typically, you know, let's say post implementation, when does a, you know, average partner or in this case, let's say restaurant start seeing some of that um, ROI? Honestly, uh, Angelo, it all depends on the goals. So implementation for us can go anywhere from 10 days to six weeks plus, depending on how deep you want to how deep you want to get. So like a realtor.com is like a big implementation. They, they would take a couple months to, to put together, but through that implementation phase, we determine with you, like, what are the goals that you want to hit? And then what are the success metrics that, that we're going to both work towards to ensure that, that not only you hit your goals, but that you, you see that value, you know, uh, from the get go. And then we also work with you to, to help identify ways to, to roll this out through your, through your system. So if you have individual folks that you want to hand the keys off to and let them also go in and manually launch programs because they can very easily with a push of a button launch things on their own if they want to do some above and beyond stuff. Um, we work with you to, to help ensure that that gets done as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really quick process uh, to get things stood up. And then depending on the goals of the programs that we create, um, some of them are just to, to automate the triggering of, of promotions. Some of them are actually to track the ROI on promotions. If we, if we push something out through Google, are we able to actually, you know, associate people coming into the ad that they clicked on? Um, so there's that attribution piece. Uh, some folks want to just drive app downloads. Uh, there's all sorts of goals that we can help you achieve. So it just depends on the goal. Love it. And, and I'd be curious, right? So you help restaurants and other markets, as you mentioned, you know, help them with their uh, marketing, specifically local local marketing. How do you guys market to these clients? So, so let, let's take restaurants. Where do you guys find, you know, your typical success when trying to, I guess, reach the restaurant audience? You know, are you guys also taking advantage of paid ads? Or I'd love to hear a bit about, you know, that side of the business. Let me ask a clarifying question. Are you getting at how are we marketing to our prospects or how are we helping our prospects mark to their clients, their customers? No, no. I mean, I I would love to know the the, the first part I think we touched on. It's more, uh, sorry, the second part I think we touched on. It's more how, because your product helps them market. I'm curious just from your point of view, Mm -hmm. how you market to get those customers. So how do you guys, you know, and you being the VP of marketing, um, Mm -hmm. do you use any of your own tools or is it really, you guys maybe have different channels like partnerships or things like that? That's a good question. So 
It's funny. When I came on board, we didn't really have uh, much in place by way of marketing. So, um, and I started in November of 2022. So okay. just a little over a year. Um, and we've got, in that time, we refreshed the brand entirely. We stood up a new website because I know that if we're going to be put, I don't want to throw good money after bad. Our old website was, was garbage, lack of better term. So I knew that it wasn't really converting and it just what had no visual appeal. So the, the brand piece was important for us to get nailed down. So we put a lot of, a lot of effort into that and into the site and that, and then now on the digital side, it's like, now how do we optimize and continue to, to, to drive better engagement? Um, uh, with the site and with other assets that we create. Um, right. we do use, um, uh, we don't use our product specifically to market, um, to other companies right now. Uh, the, the product itself is, is a lot more geared towards, uh, B2C. So right. if you think of the channels, you know, Google, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, like those, those are going to be what our clients use to, to best market to their folks to try to drive them through the door. Um, there are other things that if the, the, we're fully capable of doing like LinkedIn, for example, um, we just haven't gotten that implemented because we haven't had a client that said, Hey, I really need this thing. And so the opportunity hasn't, but it it wouldn't take long to stand up. If we had that set up, I think we'd use our product more, uh, more. So what we do use though, is we also have a managed service component to our business. So we have some of the best, uh, paid marketers that they've, they have their entire careers come from the, uh, you know, agency space. So tons of, tons of, um, experience on the digital marketing side of things. So we're able to leverage them, uh, where they're needed. Um, but candidly, where the, at the stage where the, our, our company's at right now, paid, um, paid just isn't a, a, a huge um, component of our strategy. It is, it's in there, but it's not where we're, we're more heavily focused on events candidly, because okay. that's where we get a lot of our, our clients are at different events. Um, right. And there's some other key things that we do. The podcast is, is one of the, the things as well. We have the local marketing lab, which, you know, it, we bring in, you know, pro, like industry pros like you and then the tech side, or it might be leaders at different, uh, different restaurant um, organizations, whether it's a brand or groups or whatever it may be to, to share their insights and, and to help um, uh, inspire, you know, other folks that have multi-location businesses as to what they should be doing at at the local level. Um, Mm. So that, that's, that's been a huge push for us. We just launched episode 20 uh, yesterday. They say when you hit 20 episodes, you're the top 1% podcast uh, in the world. So yeah, It's You're true, talking yeah, to no, a remember, big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember reading that too, but it, it makes sense. A lot of people stop after episode like four or five or maybe six. Yeah, but, um, it takes a true. lot. Half the battle, half the battle is just consistency, right? I think the, uh, um, I think for just from a marketing standpoint, where people typically sell themselves short is they give up too soon, um, or they may not start at all. Because the, the, the thing that they want to do just seems so daunting. Um, but at the end of the day, like we, we preach it all the time on almost every episode. Just you don't have to have some grand strategy to start doing something. It's just start. 
you know, yeah. and you're not throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. You're just throwing something, you know, yeah. and, and hopefully you have that something kind of based or rooted in, in a hypothesis of, you know, that's data backed. Um, and, and you were able to then try something, test, fail forward, fail fast, or find out what works and then scale and, and move on from there. But you just got to start, uh, yeah. And yeah, podcasts are difficult too, because it's like, there's so yeah. much that goes into it. You have to have a lot, a lot of different, wear a lot of different hats if you don't have a big team. Yeah. So as you yeah, know, big yeah. time, it's no, it's fun. It's funny. Cause I, I, I've learned that, you know, through action and through doing these things but half the battle like you said is starting and then once you start it's just being consistent because one thing i've learned is just like you're never going to know everything until you just start so like you can obviously you want to plan as well you can to give it your best first shot like watch mm-hmm. a video on how to do podcasts and make a check like sure start find the mm-hmm. right tool like don't go in blind but like no matter how much research you do whether you plan for a day or a month or a, like once you actually hit the ground, then you'll kind of discover all these other things. And it's, it's one of those things I always say is like, you're just going to learn. And I think Hormozy quoted, like said it well, but it was something along the lines of like, you know, uh, quantity over quality until you can do quality or quantity quality, something like that. But basically like (laughs) when you put in so much reps, you're naturally going to get better. So it's like, don't worry about quality in the beginning, not to say like come up with a shitty podcast, but like yeah. no matter what your first podcast episode is not going to be as good as 10 and it's not going to be as good as 20. Right. So like just keep going. Yeah. And as long as on every episode, you're like, oh, my sound sucked. Let me get a better mic. Oh, that video sucked. Let me improve my internet speed. My questions suck. Let me prepare better. Let me, yeah. you know what I mean? Half the battle is like doing that, like getting consistent and on every chance making something better. And then you look back and all of a sudden you have like pretty decent quality and people are like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. But no amount of like preparation would give you that result on the first podcast Mm -hmm. anyway. So for people listening, take that first step, you know, whether it's podcasts, whether it's content, whether it's doing paid ads. I promise you, if you're doing paid ads for a year, (laughs) you'll be better than if you did it for a day. Like it's just the time yeah. you kind of put into it. Yeah. Um, quantity. Uh, so you, I saw you had Sean Walsh on your show. So he was our first yeah, guest yeah. and, and oh, nice. if, he's awesome. If you want to listen to our episode, it's our first episode, local marketing lab. It's awful <laughs> <laughs> because the, like we're talking, the quality just wasn't there. Sean was great and his content was great, but we had some echoing going on with the mic toward the oh, end. No. But it, the first, actually I recorded the whole episode without hitting record. Uh, so Sean had to do it all over again, but, uh, he, he talks about it's, it's, uh, quantity plus, uh, speed plus consistency equals Mm. quality. Yep. And if you do, if you do those things, just get as much out there as you can quickly, you're only going to accelerate your learnings. Uh, you may feel like you're exhausting your audience, but at the end of the day, uh, only about 1.5% of your audience sees an organic post, any given organic post that you put out there. So even if you no. post the same thing over and over and over, you're, it's very likely you're not going to fatigue your audience. And the loyal right. ones that, that are seeing it more often, well, they're loyal. They're probably going to want to see more of your content. So right. I wouldn't let that, that worry get in your way of just slamming content. We, we push, uh, man, we do, it's getting to about five posts a day. 
just because we're, we're just trying to accelerate as many learnings as we can. And where you may have, like, if you look at the, the, the unit economics of, of each post, they may go down a little bit and we may be affecting the algorithm um, from the standpoint that, Hey, we're not driving as high of an engagement rate. So maybe they might not serve it up as, as much. Uh, So each individual post may not be getting what we want, but at the end of the day, the, the quantity of posts we're pushing out is able to get us the volume that we're looking for. So that's why we're we're doing that, and we're able to to generate learnings quickly to see what type of stuff resonates more. Is it long form video, short form video, images, AI generated images, like newsletters, whatever it might be? We're we're quickly learning, um, and that's been that's been huge for us uh, in in creating the podcast specifically, as well as in breaking into new verticals. It's it's so true. It's like getting that feedback loop. You know, it's 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 you know just to echo that point. It's not just you know pushing the content, but it's the more you push and then getting that feedback, you just get so much more feedback than if you're posting once a week or once a month. And it's funny at WISC, we've been doing kind of something similar over the last year. We've been kind of like increasing output and then increasing channels, like even channels historically we never used. We're like, Hey, we should probably get on TikTok and why not? Let's post on threads. Like even though like, you know, just channels that were maybe our audience are not really on like a lot of restaurants, at least what we've seen, they're, they're more on like, let's say a Facebook on an Instagram, um, maybe the bigger chains or hotels on LinkedIn. Um, but we still post on other channels because the, the opportunity cost is just like, it's very low effort at that point to repurpose content. And it's like, why not? And let's, let's see. And I remember the first time we got a lead that came in through, um, at that time we just started TikTok. I think we had like five followers, but it was funny. We got a lead that came through that channel that we tracked through like attribution. It was like, that's really cool. Like it's one demo request, but like, it's really cool. You never know where your audience will be. And so test, just test, put the content out there, put the, put the quantity, like you said, and then quality will we'll get there over time. Yeah. And I, I would say too, majority of marketers will create a content piece and they'll still spend probably 80% of the time creating it and 20% of their time promoting it. Mm-hmm. And really you should look at it from this standpoint. So you spend the same amount of time creating content because you want to create the same quality. But you should be spending 80% of your time promoting it. So it's how do you take that content now and create derivative pieces and promote it in different Mm -hmm. ways and across different channels, whether it's the different social channels or email or whatever it might be, like you should be spending the majority of your time promoting it because the heavy lift um, is already done with the content creation. It's like, well, how can you now sweat that asset and get as much out of it as possible? And that's one of the things that I, I 100% learned uh, at, at Polaris. Um, it's like, because there too, if you think about content that's created, like when you have a big brand, their, their marketing budget is massive, massive. Right. And so um, if you spend 250 grand on you know, a 30 second or a minute long spot, it's like, okay, well, how can I cut this up in a little bit? Like you have right. to, you have to sweat it <laughs> right, out because right. you don't have any more budget to spend on, on developing other major, main, you know, big pieces like that. So although the budgets yeah. are big, a lot of it's spent on the paid side. Um, right. So creating the content, it's like one, it's, you, you get kind of one shot to, to create your big content and then you have to figure out, well, how can I now take this and, and get more, more and more juice from the squeeze um, yeah. And that's what we try to do. And it, it seems to be working really well. 
Yeah, it makes sense. It reminds me of like, uh, I mean, uh, I'm sure other people have other terms, but Gary Vee had like this, the way he broke it down was like uh, pillar content and kind of micro content. And the pillar content might be something like this long form. Mm. It could be a podcast or blogs or whatever. And then slicing it. It's, it's funny because when you start actually thinking about it, there's, there's a lot you can do. Like with this video, we'll probably turn this into 10, 20 shorts. And of those shorts, will be different styles for different channels. And then some of those could just be quotes and then be like word kind of you know quotes for insta some of it could be you know turned into you know regular posts so it's like it's just interesting how or something that could be sound bites that are just put there without with an image versus the actual video so it's interesting mm-hmm. to see even now one area i realized where i was lacking on the on the whisk side was like the written side it's like we're doing the blogs every week but we kind of stopped stop there and then i was like wait we should take pieces of this blog and post it as Con- micro content and then lead to the log or post a status yeah. update on LinkedIn and lead to the newsletter. So it's just like, even there's no, there's no limit. It's just, you got to get creative on like, okay, how can I repurpose this? And people absorb this content in, in different ways. And so I think yeah. it's important to, to test and see and see what sticks kind of like what you alluded to and then double down on those things. Exactly. Yeah. If you think this conversation right now, it's words that are happening and words, whether they're, internalized through your ear holes or your <laughs> eyes, you know, you can take this, take the transcript and there's your blog post and it. And now you get with the blog post. Now you get SEO value, you know, mm-hmm. that you can start driving people to your page. So it is, there's, there's value in just trying to create all sorts of different ways for your, your content to be consumed. Cause like you said, like you may have, I don't, I don't remember the exact percentage but it's maybe two thirds of people are like visual learners yeah. or visual like consumers of content they're gonna resonate with infographics images videos stuff like that but the other third you're just gonna leave them in the dark no you gotta yeah. create the you know the readable content and like the ebooks or whatever that might resonate with them but it can all be created from from the long form video I, I honestly like and i've heard sean say this a ton too but i wholeheartedly believe that long form video is the hardest thing to create and if you if you do create it and you you figure out a way to do so like at scale and effectively at scale you can take that and create any type of derivative content from it and then then you're able to see like if you if you take your content you break it down by themes or categories topics whatever it might be and you push that stuff out then you can see what topics resonate it's like oh okay now i need to create some follow-up pieces around this topic because this resonates more with, with my audience and kind of go from there um, it, there's just so much learning that, that can come from starting with that long form video. I love that. I love that. And it's funny cause you mentioned Sean. So yeah, I totally agree by the way, like Sean, Sean was great. He was a guest on the show. Super, super cool guy. And one of the things he always said, uh, that, that I loved was the concept of, um, being the show, not the commercial, but like a lot of people, you know, think too hard on like, how can I make that perfect 30 second commercial mm-hmm. and spend a lot of time and little output, you know, whereas like, think about the opposite, just start filming the, you know, be the show, be the 60 minutes, don't be that 30 second in between. And a lot more people are interested than you think in, in the kind of day to day. So in the restaurant context, it was like, don't worry about making that perfect ad only like, sure, try to make it. Why not? But like behind the scenes, your new hire, clip from the chef like just day-to-day right. stuff your 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 stock didn't come in the little clip like people consume that stuff too and, and make it relatable you have a new menu item so someone tasting it like it doesn't have to be perfect and it's funny sometimes i find the more raw the video s- s- feels more authentic too when it's not too you know, obviously there's a place for yeah. really high quality edited stuff too but it, it's a super interesting you know 
concept. Um, what I'd love to know from like your end is like, what's, you know, what's next for you guys, maybe at Evocalize, right? You have a ton of marketing experience to work at some really solid brands. You know, you listed some, but like you have a, a great kind of a, a, a variety of experience. You have a lot on your tool belt, on, I guess, to put mm -hmm. it lightly. Um, what are where, where do you see you know the next steps for evocalize like obviously you mentioned some of the this the the initiatives maybe you're gonna have potentially you know some product releases for less than 100 locations but i'd love to hear from your point of view kind of what what's next that that's going to be big being able to come down market for sure uh you know if you think about a typical one two three five location business like they don't they don't have the the marketing chops or the um, or the dollars that that you might have a, a much larger brand uh, has to kind of throw towards creating world class marketing and 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 our right. system is legitimately just that it's world class marketing capabilities. We could take really sophisticated, complex marketing, full funnel, um, life cycle programs that are always on and run and continue to learn, we can give that to someone who really has never done paid marketing ever and, and be able to just kind of flip it on with a switch. That's going to be incredible. And that, like I said, that's, that's very short term, um, where we'll, we'll have that available, uh, long in terms of like where we're going this year for us is going to be massive. We already have huge, like, I can't say so many, uh, superlatives, massive massive traction specifically in the restaurant and the franchise space like we are a rolling ball like chasing That's indiana awesome. jones I, <laughs> I pushed out a blog post <laughs> or a uh, linkedin post uh, a couple weeks ago we're we're absolutely crushing it which is super exciting and i think a lot of it is it's 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 a testament to the team and all the hard work that they do in creating products that that actually serve a very real need but we do it in a way that's like differentiated. We don't have people behind the scenes pulling levers. Like it's not manumation. Some companies will have, you know, you log into a portal, you select that you want to run a campaign and you think that it's automatically happening, but you're placing an order, basically filling out a form and someone's doing it behind right. the scenes. Right. Like our tech is far surpasses others and people are noticing awesome. and it's, it's creating a lot of buzz, which is really cool. Um, and a lot of momentum. So Specifically within the restaurant space, you're going to see us uh, uh, a lot more. We came into the space kind of cold last year at the beginning of the year, knowing that the tech would serve the, the industry, but not having the the um, the experience doing so, you know, coming into the, the industry kind of uh, brand new. So now that right. we have that momentum coming into these event, the event season and stuff like that, like people know who we are. And that's that's a lot of fun and super exciting. And I can't wait to see where that goes. Uh, as well as uh, we just continue to 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 roll into other other industries um, beyond restaurant uh, home services is another big one for us. If you think of like the the different like pest controls or roofing mm -hmm. companies or anyone that might have to you know generate leads, Segway, let me just sidebar. Yeah. The the yeah. FCC ruling that just happened. Where they and I don't know if you've heard about this, but where they've adjusted the TCPA guidelines, where no longer they've closed the lead generation loophole. No longer can companies like Angie's List, like like have you submit a, a, a form fill and distribute that lead to twenty different organizations. Like they have to the 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 user 
who submits their own information as a lead has to explicitly say where they're able to share or who they're able to share their information with. So like a checkbox of ABC land company or landscaping, XYZ landscaping, one, two, three landscape. Like that's going to, that's going to be huge in, in different industries where lead gen is required. So think uh, mortgage, insurance, real estate, Think of like if you go to like Lending Tree and you submit your information because you, you're interested in the mortgage, that that type of stuff is 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 likely going away or going to be very different, and the cost of leads is going to to shift, and small businesses are going to have to generate their own pipeline. That they, they won't be able to afford uh, getting leads the same way that they've been getting them, and that goes into effect either in June or July of this year. So they oh, wow. just came out with the okay. announcement a couple of weeks ago. So that's going to be a huge shift for our, for our in, within the industry that's really going to catapult uh, our business because we do help those businesses generate their own lead pipeline. Um, so that's another big one for us. That's huge. Yeah, I can already imagine. It's like, uh, like you said, insurance. I'm even thinking uh, not too long ago we had a, a flood at our place and we had to call you know insurance, but we also had an adjuster, all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking of guys guys like that that you know serve you know hundreds of, uh, of people per month probably, but how do, yeah. how do they, how do they market? Where do they get their leads from? So it sounds like you'll probably, like you said, to, to use your wording, have a, a catapult there, but mm-hmm. um, that, that's awesome. Man. And so for people who want to find you guys, obviously the local marketing lab podcast, I'm sure they can hear that on, you know, typical channels, Spotify, Apple music, etc. cetera. Um, where else can people find you just to maybe give you guys a quick, a uh, quick plug. Oh, no, I appreciate it. So LinkedIn is probably where we're the most active, uh, honestly. Okay. So just add a vocalize on LinkedIn. Um, tons of content on there. We're pushing out podcast episodes every week, uh, as well as That's awesome. blog post newsletters. Like you could subscribe to our newsletter. Um, follow us as an organization. We've got a lot of really good, I think, solid content and tips and tricks and stuff for folks to help better grow their business and market at a local level. Um, and then, like you said, all the different podcasting platforms were the local marketing lab podcast. So check it out. It's a lot of fun. We like to, to laugh with the guests and we usually create some wacky AI image that we, we show, you know, uh, That's incorporating awesome. some of the favorite things of our guests into the image. So most recently I had, uh, Jeff Alexander on this year, one of the more recent ones, Jeff Alexander was on the show and he's a, he's a, uh, he teach cycle class. He teaches cycle class and loves the eighties. And I got a picture of him looking like Rambo with his like, you know, <laughs> jacked arms, just like, you know, red headband, like in a spin class. Awesome. Uh, it, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, and it's cool because it allows us to, you know, really connect with different industry leaders and, and see, you know, a different side to them that you might otherwise, uh, not see. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Super cool. Yeah, I'd love to. And 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 if there's uh if there's the right timing, I'd love to to even be on it. Talk talk a bit about, you know, the restaurant side, the back of house side and yeah. obviously got a got a ton of personal stuff too. I'm I'm more than happy to share. But yeah, we'll definitely set that up. But for everyone listening, thank you for joining us on another episode of Whisking It All. And once again, we're here today with Justin from eVocalize. And for those of you who want to check it out, you heard it, LinkedIn evocalize.com and you can even check out their podcast the local marketing lab podcast thank you for taking the time to join me justin 
Loved chatting with you and hearing about your uh, really vast marketing experience. You bet. Thanks, Angela. Appreciate it. Beauty. Feel free to check out wist.ai for more resources and schedule a demo with one of our product specialists to see if it's a fit for you. Mm-hmm.